I like a I like a shacket. I like a suede shacket. But the leather, it's like uh, so you didn't have a, no you no Avarexes, nothing. You just <laughs> I I had two Avarexes. And then I graduated to like a camel colored motorcycle jacket. I was killing them. I had like a leather polo jacket that I thought I got on at the outlets for like $100. I thought it was so cool in high school. Did you ever look into that jacket with like every NBA team on it? Like, oh, yeah. I I didn't like those. They had them with the football teams and the basketball teams. I remember those. Those were a little too much. Like billiard balls, I feel like. Just a bunch of circles that they stitched together. Too much. Averex was enough for me, even though I never owned or sat on a motorcycle. Probably wasn't old enough to drive one. Still had me a fresh AV. <laughs> had to uh, negotiate at Mondamin Mall. You 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 bargained. You bargained oh, yeah. for an yeah. Averex. Yeah, Mondamin Mall is called Mondamin Mall, and it looks like a mall when you show up, but it's really kind of like a, a big ass flea market in Baltimore City. <laughs> Okay, and the hand is reminding us that this may look like a speaking of bargaining, like a sports show, but it's really just a flea market of topics that Alabaster wants us. That's right. And uh, you know who didn't get a bargain? There we go. The Panthers. Um, My question for you guys: Did the Bears fleece the Panthers? Hmm. So put the card down that says everything because it's everything. Um, It is DJ Moore, a very useful wide receiver who just had a career high in touchdowns. Uh, I suppose we'll allow that. Um, the number nine pick in this draft as well, the number 61 pick, the 2024 first rounder, the 2025 second rounder, which feels like about as good as you could have hoped for a team that may have been smoke screening <laughs> that they were going to do something other than keep Justin Fields. Instead, they get all of this for their number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can compare it to the Hollywood Brown trade from the draft last year, which... I thought was a bit of an overpaid last year. So maybe it's unfair it's to say that that's a reasonable amount. But yeah, it seems like they got fleece. But when you're dealing in the world of quarterbacks, there is no fleece if you get the one. And that's all it comes down to. They must. They, and the sad part is it, they haven't made it clear that they know who the guy is. Like There's even speculation that they might trade right. this again. They just wanted to be in a power position. And that's a lot <laughs> to pay to be on top. I don't know. Like you, Sometimes you got to be a little flexible. No, sometimes being a power bottom isn't powerful enough. <laughs> I get your drift. And David Tepper is the man who, by the way, has a, let's say this for the record, has a literal brass pair of testicles. Yeah on his desk and so this we is what you clock. do dominique we just need a clock <laughs> for certain topics we need to just start a clock because there are certain topics that i know if the panthers are on the show somehow i wasn't sure if you're going to go with tepper's testicles or, or the, the anatomically yeah yeah, the, yeah. I, yeah i knew i knew animal balls was coming though i knew at some point you were going to introduce animal balls into the conversation but you need if you're the if you're the panthers i think the cojones in question, though, are appropriate because they need it, man. They need a quarterback. Like this is this is their look. And and so I guess the question, Dominique, what we're always asking ourselves is, what's it really worth? Like, what is what is what is your what is your franchise quarterback really worth? And so from an on paper perspective, against Hollywood Brown, like maybe you haggle on the edges here, but it feels like no Panther fan is actually mad about this deal unless I'm missing something on Panthers Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been deep into the Panthers Twitter, but they should be. 
Like, I, I, I mean, this is not a draft where there's a clear-cut number one. The guy that we recognize is better than everyone else quite possibly will be the smallest quarterback to play in a football game. I guess you could say Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray has a little bit more, like, mass to him. He may not be as tall, but he feels sturdier, and he's been injury-prone. So I've been one that's been defensive of Bryce Young, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think that his size is going to make it impossible for him to succeed, but it's certainly obvious that that's going to be a hurdle. It's not just that he's a bit less, like, girthy but he's also a a bit shorter and so like he has all the skills that you will want but you have to understand if that's the guy they're going to get because they're saying like will levis if this is you gave up all this for will levis no disrespect to will levis but you didn't have to right you didn't have to give up all this to get will levis you could have been deeper in the draft to to get to him so we'll see yeah cj stroud's another guy and see the thing is um bryce young is the one guy on that's coming out this year that people point to and have a hard time finding a flaw in his play. The other guys, there are clear flaws in their play, and there's expectation and there's growth, growth that you could hope for in these players. Like Bryce Young, it's like, nah, he's going to be good, but he's so small. And I, I guess I would understand it if we were looking at next year's draft where you have Caleb Williams coming mm-hmm. out, who and, and you, you're kind of boxing yourself out of that opportunity too. Yeah, by, by trading away the draft pick. So it's a lot that goes into your decision. I'm never going to knock anybody for being aggressive. I like that. I hate when people are just kind of waiting around. But there's a difference. You can't be aggressive every single offseason, every single season. It feels like the Panthers are aggressive just for aggressive sake, and they haven't quite landed the guy yet. Yeah, aggression can also be a uh, a, a, a thin substitute for strategy. And they're running through all these options. They're playing the roulette of finding a quarterback. And obviously Sam Darnold was not going to be the answer. But I do I do think, right, like if they were to trade back down, I, I think that, I mean, again, we're granting them a certain chess sensibility here. Like what if they make it back? What if they take advantage of all the desperation on draft day and they make back some of what they gave up? In which case, total, total brilliance here. If you can get your quarterback that's not Bryce Young, uh, maybe you get uh, CJ Stroud and a bunch of other stuff, Alabaster, that you like. That seems like a pretty, that's a damn good deal, let alone like an acceptable price you paid for a quarterback. So my question on, off of this is, if they're the ultra-aggressive team that is willing to raise their risk profile to get a superstar, shouldn't we be reading into this that they're going to take Anthony Richardson? Oh, I thought you were going a different direction, but that's just as much fun. I, I thought if you were willing to give up that much, why not go get Lamar Jackson? But that's a yeah. whole a whole nother ball of wax. But yeah, I guess Anthony Richardson. The tough thing is when you are a team like this that wants to be, uh, it seems like they want to be good now. This right. is Anthony Richardson, at least from what, I've, what I understand, Anthony Richardson is a couple year project. He's a guy with all the tools, but doesn't really know how to play quarterback yet. And maybe he can step in and be effective right away, or maybe it's going to take some time. But one thing we know is we all point to Josh Allen and, I mean, I guess Jalen Hurts as guys who were athletic with a base and then grew into, like, greater players. The one thing we know about both of those guys is it took at least one really great wide receiver to join their team to make them reach their ceiling. You know what y'all sending away? That one really, really yeah. great wide receiver. And now you're going to look for them in free agency. There aren't any. They're not really true number ones available in free agency this year. 
And I guess maybe you can hope that you land one in the draft. So it, it just feels like there is a time for a bit more caution. And we're all going to look dumb if Bryce Young just shows up and is just an automatic difference maker. But it's so rare that that's the case. If there was a time that I would root for a team to be a little bit more cautious, it certainly would be right now with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, this is how I learned that uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. is a top remaining wide receiver for Carolina. <laughs> and that his name is actually Terrace. I went and Googled that this was not an alabaster typo. No, this is I guess I should have known this. That Yes, yes. Terrace don't mess up. Yeah, no, this is a very deliberate architecture yes. that has been designed. Um, yeah, and also uh, Chenault, Dennis Smith are also in there too. Uh, but point taken in terms of like, how do you help the new guy who is now carrying the weight of your whole franchise? What do you build around him architecture-wise? Not, not great to have Anthony Richardson in there without the guy who's going to help catch the ball to sell him as the yeah. new guy. I mean, it's, it's, the draft is always a bit of a gamble. Uh, but when you walk into a casino, there are some games that are better odds than others. And they seem like they just keep going for the slots. They just keep <laughs> going for the slots. Like, go for the blackjack table the a little bit. The slots are an amazing... Baccarat. The, bac baccarat. There's a, there's, there's a, so if you're baccaratting, you're like uh, kind of, I think, James Bond cosplaying. If you're a slot <laughs> I don't machining, even know how to play that. I don't either. I don't even know how to begin to explain baccarat. Yeah. But if you're slot machining, it's like, ooh, which one has the TV show that I liked from childhood printed <laughs> onto the machine? <laughs> RoboCop. The RoboCop, the Golden Girls slot. Oh, that seems like a real one. Thank you for being a friend as you walk out broke, having put a bunch of quarters in to <laughs> blanch. <laughs> I don't want to continue this. Pass. Incomplete jump pass. Um, it's all right. Turnover it's a happens. It's a story from my life. That's not uh. a jump pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we got a little more football. What does the Jalen Ramsey trade say about the Rams and the Dolphins? So we're talking about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, once upon a time, a guy who would get more than a third rounder. Going for a third rounder, Dominique. This is your account. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. What does it say to you? So, I mean, it, it certainly says the Dolphins are serious about replacing their cornerback uh, situation and probably trying to um, make a run, which we already know. They, they've been aggressive uh, since they got Mike McDaniel. So it's not a surprise that they would want Jalen Ramsey, uh, especially for a third-round pick. It is surprising, I think, a bit that the Rams would trade him away just for a third-round pick, but it seems like it's just they're, they're, they want cap relief. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this story to me is probably not where you would think I would go with this, but they won the Super Bowl. And I don't know how great it was for them. <laughs> Let's talk because, about this. Yeah. So, at least for me, it feels like they're also talking about moving on from Matt Stafford. Like, I remember them winning the Super Bowl. It was pretty cool. Great game. No look pass from Stafford in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And it felt like they won it with a bunch of guys that were mercenaries and that are now leaving. And sure. I don't think I ever would have thought this before, but I think as sports become more like business, it feels like they like, I don't know, overpaid like, for a title. No, it's not even that they overpaid. It's that they like use like corporate loopholes to get a title. And <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's a fun process. And I hate hearing this. I hate yeah. saying it myself, but it doesn't feel, I know how, impure sports are professional sports are but i like a facade 
I like a thin veil. Like, there's no veil. They're like, we brought these dudes in, and then as soon as we win the championship, yeah, we're good on Vaughn Miller. No thanks. Yeah. Odell Odell. Beckham Jr., see you later. We're going to move on from the quarterback. Jalen Ramsey, get out of here. It's time for us to strip this down and get ready for another run. So I guess that's how it's done. But when Aaron Donald was the first one there and the last one there, it still kind of feels a little bit, I don't know. Maybe it's also because the team just moved. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a fan base that's, like, experiencing this and appreciating this. It just feels like a random corporate team came in there and used all the loopholes to win a Super Bowl a year when Patrick Mahomes just forgot how to play football for a half. Right. No, the real MVP is the accounting department that figured out you can go all in in a way that gets you enough talent that cannot possibly stay there. And the, the cost is is in the hollowness. Uh, and by the way, there are some I, I'm thinking about some parallels between like, why don't the Lakers feel like they really got their yeah. title? Maybe it's the bubble, but maybe it's also some of this. Um, and in the Rams case, it feels like yeah, what happens when you get your wish, but none of the stuff around, um, yeah, that facade, uh, and maybe it's not just a facade, it's actually like what it means to have a team that you like. Yeah. You know, like that that part is a, is a fascinating psychology study. And Jalen Ramsey, for whatever it's worth, um, which is a third round pick now, um, was a face of the team. Like that's the other part of this. It's like not just a guy who was good, it's a guy that you identified as a Ram more than certainly his tenure with the Jaguars. I don't know what it is, but it's uncomfortable. And it's like, it's weird because that whole season, there's more fans for the other team at their home games as they're building up to get ready for their playoff run. And then they get more and more fans. It just doesn't feel uh, right, which I hate saying. But yeah, the trade's good. Dolphins are going to be good. New defensive coordinator, more talent on defense. But all that matters is can Tua not get hit in the head in football games? Like, that's really going to be what decides their season alabaster seems like a good deal for the dolphins um i am now officially just like is sean McVay a broadcaster yet (laughs) like the whole thing about how this all was going to fall apart like last at the super bowl i reminded of aaron donald and McVay all supposedly being close to out too which would have put an even finer point on dominique's uh conflicted observation yeah yeah it's 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 interesting hey sean McVay, if you want to come on debatable we have a spot for you uh, you can join us whenever. <laughs> um, so does Jalen Ramsey make the Dolphins as good as the Bills in the AFC East? What's this really do for them? Yeah, I mean, I think the Dolphins seem like they were as good as the Bills in AFC East last year. Let's not forget they were competitive in a playoff game with a third quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. Skylar Thompson. So, yeah, I think the question for the Dolphins is more about how healthy Tua can be. So, yeah, adding Jalen Ramsey to this defense does help. Jalen Ramsey is an outstanding I would say cornerback, but in uh, Los Angeles, he became just like a defensive back. He played nickel. He played safety. They moved him everywhere uh, in order to let him be more involved in offense. He's a big, strong, talented, fast uh, defensive player. You can add those to any team that he can play multiple styles. He can play in the zone. He can play man-to-man. Like, yeah, he's a great piece to a defense that has also added Vic Fangio, which is mm-hmm. one of the more well-respected defensive minds in football. So, yeah. I think this team was competitive before they added him. They're more competitive with him on the roster, especially giving them some more flexibility in ways that they can attack uh, Josh Allen. However, I don't know. He might just make Josh Allen a little too angry, which is not (laughs) what you want. If you remember when the season started, where Josh Allen had to take on the Rams and he made a statement and yeah, 
you remember the cat stuff we were talking about? Yeah, that <laughs> that was uncomfortable. But yeah, they don't like each other. The beginning of the season feels so long ago. Oh my gosh. We were talking yes. about how Josh Allen was never gonna run until the playoffs. <laughs> That's how ran. long ago it was. And then he ran all over the <laughs> Los Angeles Rams and their empty uh, stadium. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Feels like it was seven months ago. Drags um, his midsection across the <laughs> face of defenders. Unnecessarily, I might add. <laughs> um, seven months, that's all it's been? God. Guys, what are the chances that Joel Embiid can overtake Jokic and win the MVP? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, let's have some fun. Oh, <laughs> finally. Lord, finally. Um. Okay, so where do we start? I think we start with the idea that Joel Embiid, um, regardless of whether he does the thing that this question implies, which is, spoiler alert, not going to happen, although I think there's a case for it, he will have had three in a row of the greatest non-MVP seasons we have ever seen. Just like a guy averaging over 30, guy averaging over 10, doing everything, being a defensive monster in ways that these advanced defensive metrics, you nerds, you damn nerds not adequately quantify because you use total lineup data around box scores to substitute uh. for actual defensive tracking information. So Nikola Jokic, who rebounds a lot defensively, over-indexes. So the Nuggets, who basically do hockey yeah. units where it's like all the good guys are out, all the bad guys are in, such that when Jokic is on the floor, he is that much more valuable because he gets credit for everybody else on his team. Wow, there is I was a not case... expecting this from oh, you. Oh, there's, there's a real case for Embiid being completely undervalued oh i didn't realize it's the 76ers that's why i thought for a second you were offering honest unbiased analysis always honest and always unbiased and in this case joel Embiid is getting by the nerd community that otherwise does prop him up um yeah, he is. They just can't quantify how good he really is on top of the obvious ways, which Alabaster in this question is hinting at, Dominique, which is that he's now on a run of like nine or ten straight games where he is truly like the best player in the sport right now. Um, he's been hitting game winners and dominating. And yes, against the Blazers, 39-7-4-3, and three, which is pretty good. So I came in here prepared to make this was stupid of me prepared to make the Embiid argument because I assumed that you would be a stat nerd and come in and defend the stat nerd position but Embiid like he should make the stat nerds happy also I think the chances are probably um 80 percent four-fifths are mm. the chances that he will over, <laughs> overtake um <laughs> the four-fifths compromise yes <laughs> the chance that he will overtake Jokic um I think honestly it comes down to the idea that most valuable players, something we always talk about with MVP in all sports is that no one will ever fully define it. So yes, if you have had an MVP caliber season, then you can be voted for the MVP. And I think it's impossible to argue that he has not had an MVP caliber season. I think it's hard to argue that anyone has had a season that's more MVP caliber than his. Uh, so like, can he get it? I think it's probably unlikely because this has become such a uh, entrenched conversation. And because you had, it took so much, I think, at the beginning of the year when Jokic started out fast, so many people had to defend the idea of him getting it for a third time that those people now are like entrenched. They can't come off it now. Like if they have a vote, they just can't because they have to prove that is the case. And I think he certainly deserves it. I'm not gonna be angry if he gets it. I think it's awesome to get it three in a row. However, I do think, if you're saying that it's unreasonable that uh, 
Giannis or Embiid can come get it. I think right. that's the mistake. And I think a lot of people are making an argument that if you vote for anybody other than Jokic, it's because of some stupid three times in a row rule or because you're racist. And well, <laughs> I think those things are, are probably not true. I believe that, yeah, yeah, I, I, I fall on that side of this aisle. But by the way, this is also like a horse race. There's a political aspect, too, to your point of like, now we're like, did we go? Is it time to give, give a, a late run to a third party candidate now is the part of the news cycle that we're in because it's March. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're trying to figure out like what else is there to say? And I do believe that this entire time, to your point about what's Embiid's best case, the case for Jokic hinges on a lot of advanced stats. And Alabaster, I want you to weigh in here. There are a lot of advanced defensive numbers, defensive box plus minus, um, all of the stuff, Raptor, all of these things that encompass advanced metrics that Jokic is so dominant in, even with Embiid's run, that we have to actually get under the hood and nerd the out. Like, let's talk about what these stats really mean because they become shorthand for this guy is obviously the right answer. And yeah. it's close enough where Do we, we have now to, actually. Well, we it's close enough. To. Well, it, it, it's close enough where Embiid and Giannis are breathing down his neck. Where it's like, let's find out. That's the case. So that's. I guess them. that's my point. Is that when it's that close, the answer to that to me is not to like parse decimal points. The answer to that to me is like that's when the emotion of it matters more. And I think that's that's fine. Like it's a. It's a horse race, as you mentioned. It's the rare time in the NBA season where it's not obvious, I think, where you could go – like, we could actually be surprised on the day when it's announced. That I, – I don't remember the last time that I wasn't, like, kind of aware of who the clear front runner was. And, like, I think that's cool. So, like, the idea that the answer is in the numbers, I think is wrong. I think there's a level of stats that once you cross this threshold, Mm. that now we're good now it's about the narrative <laughs> I like stuff. this now I we're like good this. once you're above this line now it's about narrative now it's about preferences now it's about storylines like that yep. to me yep. is okay because the the problem with the stat thing is this is impossible there is no way to we've decided consciously made a decision never to define what the mvp is but then we're using stats to try to make an absolute answer like <laughs> Just, no, you're right. You're right that it's a question that's never been articulated, and so the answer to that question itself can never be um, dispositive of the of, of the solution to the problem. But Alabaster, ah, I want you, I, it's just a lot of big words there <laughs> that I just threw. And um, Alabaster, I want you to weigh in because how close do you think it is as somebody who is like looking at these numbers? Because I like that Dominique is saying. It's a binary thing, actually. There are two numbers, zero and one. If you qualify for the MVP tier, you can win, and it's, we don't really need to spend a lot of time beyond that. We're taping this on Oscar Sunday. I feel like it's the same thing. Like, so, it's, it, at this point, it's art. Now it's about which one you like more. Are you a tar guy or are you an everything everywhere person? I'm an yeah, everything everywhere yeah. person. That's what I like. But if tar wins, I'm not going to be mad. I've never seen it, but I heard it's good. Yeah, so little... until this week, I actually didn't think. I, I thought the discussion had gotten too toxic and too pointed and wasn't really worth having. And it was like, you know, Jokic is the number one seed in the West. He's not playing with other all-stars and he's shooting 63% from the field and 41% from three and averaging 25, 11, 11. But the last couple games and really the run Embiid's been on, but the last couple games from Jokic, 
They lost to the lowly Spurs, and when he was the primary defender, Spurs players shot 19 for 32 against Nikola Jokic. <laughs> and that was after being exposed by the Raptors that speed and pick and rolls and things can actually affect him in isolation. And to Pablo's point, we have about 18% of the season left. And if over those 18 games, Jokic performs worse than Embiid, which seems distinctly possible if that end of the floor became, becomes a problem, I can't believe I'm saying it. I think Embiid will have the stronger case, both impact-wise and the totality of the numbers are close enough that it 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 should be Embiid at that point. But it's also, here's the other thing about why this is the horse race, though, is because if it happened in the opposite direction, right? It's like, who's finishing better? Like, there is the, the way it starts is so much less valuable than the way it finishes. And and so for that reason, yeah, give me, give me a solid 69% for all time's sake. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Oh, those serial killer numbers. Yeah. They're back. Mm. Mm. I love it, man. I, I, I agree. Underneath all of the takes about how many white people vote for this award and how many of them are racist, there's an actual like, oh, there's an Academy Awards dynamic here. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, unracist institution. <laughs> <laughs> And to, I mean, it shouldn't be forgotten. These are two of the like the great seasons of all time. But by, by like, that's you, that's it's that's, really amazing. That's the thing about Embiid and why just I give out two. Him. Give out two. Let's do it. Co MVP it, baby. Co MVP. Let's let's be uh, let's be post racial. The Steve McNair Peyton Manning split MVP year. Boom. It'd be great. Um, la 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 land it no the funny the funniest thing about um pointing out how racist this country actually is is that we're having a a race debate about two people neither of which are from america (laughs) that's right i love it Mm. (laughs) Mm. that is magnificent racism guys good job keep it up (laughs) all right uh next one what are the chances that seth curry's performance against the bucks gives you more faith in the warriors so the Bucks at 48 and 19 as of tape time are uh, a pretty good mile marker um, for what happens uh, to, yeah, the rest of your season, how you survive them. And Steph Curry at 36, 6 and 4. And so if you're the type of person, Dominique, that has been saying on this show after trying to cycle through all sorts of different takes that the Warriors are good and the Warriors are probably going to make the NBA finals, you feel great that they did this in overtime. All that matters is that Steph Curry almost killed somebody when he shot the ball from the tunnel. That's all that matters. There we go. <laughs> oh, we have there we go. Ready. Of course, we got the tape. Oh, oh man! Oh, <laughs> I hadn't oh. seen this. You hadn't seen this? No. He knocked the man's spectacles off and everything. That's oh rough. Oh my god. But yeah, Steph's good at basketball too. Surprise, guys. Like, I don't know. I think that I guess this is evidence of what everyone's already been saying is that like Steph's really good and the Warriors know what they're doing. We can't explain why they're bad on the road in the regular season, but there's a chance. No one believes there's not a chance. Like the, no matter how Jordan Poole and Draymond Green feel about one another, they have a lot of talent. And I guess if Wiggins uh, yeah, the Wigan situation is another kind of confusing thing to try to predict going forward. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're really good. Steph's an all-time great player. So in the West is weaker than it's been in a while. So uh, could they get hot and pull off this run? I said no last year, and I was wrong. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it again. 
<laughs> so the fact that this happened at home is part of that larger conversation because Steph Curry scoring 11 in the final two minutes of regulation to force overtime, scoring nine in OT to, to win the game. This is all stuff that he typically, they collectively do not do on the road. It's not like Steph is really good on the road and everyone else is bad. Um, it's that they play to the reaction that Dominique just gave me, which is a giant, rude yawn. It wasn't a yawn. That was Oh, that was just a resetting of your oxygen levels? Exactly. We've been through this before, buddy. Sorry. Sorry for yeah, misinterpreting. It's not rude. <laughs> I, was, the, I was syncing up with you. But let me... Let me... Let me. The question that is actually most fascinating about the Warriors is why are they so damn terrible on the road? Why are they mirror images? And it's again, it's not because Steph is, you know, um, left on an island. It's because collectively they're just worse. And I think there's a psychology question in this that I don't think we'll ever get like a satisfying scientific answer. Speaking of unasked, unanswerable, complicated questions. Well, like, why? Why is it this way? Um, is it because Do seriously, Dominique? I want you to tell me, guy, guy, guy who's played on the road versus at home. Can you come up with a conceivable explanation so, uh, beyond referees being home court advantagey? Let's throw that out the window. Although maybe that's not irrelevant. Like what? What the? I was trying to figure out what was ruder to yawn or to like act like you are delivering the most <laughs> <laughs> profound statement ever, <laughs> which is ruder either way. Ooh. I'm sorry, Pablo. And also, I was thinking I should hit him with a fake yawn right now. And then it crossed my mind, faking a yawn, like I can fake a sneeze, I can fake a cough, but I don't think I can fake a yawn. See, that doesn't look believable. <laughs> There's no way to do a fake yawn. How is that a possible? How is that possible? It's like the, it seems like the easiest thing to fake, but you can't fake a yawn. Anyway, mm. back to what I was saying. Uh, I played football, so road and home is very different than basketball. Because basketball, it's... Football, they treat you like children. So you have a curfew and you only right. have eight road games. They're incredibly important. And all the like potential distractions you, are not. You, you were in a strip club carpeted no, in currency. Not once. Not with once. the camera filming you as you had a sad plate of chicken wings. Nearby. Not once. N never did I dangle oh. a, a tiny gun in <laughs> a strip club on Instagram Live. It, it's just not the way it works in football. You have a curfew. People abide by it. And it's also a thing like when you have 82 games, 41 of which are on the road, and you're going to all these cities, you're really rich and whatever. There are other distractions. Those are things that we would expect right. not to impact this like largely mature championship-laden married and old <laughs> group of guys, but I don't know how else. I know that's I normally like this when, theory. when they're I like NBA. this theory. Now. I'm not. No, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Put the Chiron up. How You stop it. I would Warriors never. have a strip club addiction. <laughs> that's why we oh, are the premier sports television talk show. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. No one knows how to explain no, it. They no don't know knows. how to explain it. I haven't heard anybody in basketball in and or around the Warriors be able to present a realistic reason why they stink on the road and they're good at home. So we'll see. I know that I'm not betting against the Warriors going forward. My percentage is a big, uh, was it how more faith? Zero percent, big circle, like a big open yawn mouth because <laughs> there's not much that the Warriors can do outside of getting injured that would change the way I feel about the chances this team has. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go double zero. So we're both young. It seems a fake one. It's so obvious. Like, how do you do a? You got to do. You got to. It's almost like you do a fake snore. It's like. Uh, wee, 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 wee. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> that was good. That felt real. I, I felt like, like I got some oxygen in my brain on that one, honestly. Good job. Gotta get it in there. Your uh, gotta, fake gotta yawns up. were just contagious. I actually <laughs> yawned watching your fake yawns through the screen. This is what I was um, trying to explain to you. It's like it's a, it's a psychological thing. It's not about you is. actually being tired. It's about people or about animals uh, cooling their brain. So you're going to make fun of me and laugh. Okay, whatever. Just, I don't care. Where does where where brain cooling? Yeah. You have to cool your brain. Mm, got to. You do. Guys, what... We have video here. What are the chances that Tyreek Hill could still be an Olympic sprinter? Still. I assume everyone's seen this already, right? Yeah, I've seen it. I mean, is, it's, uh, I mean, the majority of the race is like he was by himself. And it's good. It's good for everyone else that they were not even in the picture. Can't even make fun of them. Didn't even get to I, see him, really. I assumed that... It was like he just showed up at a high school track meet and was just <laughs> messing around. Like I saw everyone talking about it. And then I understand this is like a, a seniors division, which isn't quite old enough. But then you look at Tyreek Hill's actual like time and he's really fast, guys. Like I know that to be the case, but I have enough respect for like when I go and play basketball at like the local gym or whatever, which I don't do, but you see someone who's That's really good. Like you have an understanding. Yeah. yeah. You have an understanding that like he's really good for here. And I feel like that about like football players is like, yeah, I know some of them are fast, as <laughs> but I would not put him out there on the track and try to run with track people. Tyreek Hill can actually run with track people, like not just track people, the top of the top. Like he, he messed well, around is, and dedicated himself is... and get a medal. Well, well done. But this is where I want to parse what the track community has been also saying, which is that that's not our best. And that a 6-7 in the 60, Alabaster, if I'm wrong, is like not even in the top 200 of times. So it is two things are true. I mean, this is where Dominique, like I, I thought I was going to have the take where I would be the guy who was talking about how this is, of course, this is actually more impressive than the video suggests because the video is super impressive. And also like, yeah, we can watch it again. But yeah, also let's look times. at all those guys that he's running against. It's like uh, I don't, I don't see a burner amongst them. <laughs> <laughs> the point, I guess, my point is like it's a let's use the binary scale too, right? Wow. Um, <laughs> if you ever are in a video like that, you get to call yourself one of the fastest people in the world. If you produce a video that looks like that, you're a one. <laughs> <laughs> and for that reason, yeah, I'm going to give him a solid, a solid could still be. Yeah, I'll give I'll give him a solid one zero zero hundred percent. He could. Why yeah. not? I, I, I'm I'm going to agree with you. I don't know. I mean, I guess there requires some level of training, but sure. I think he has the foundation <laughs> to be able to compete. Like, I mean, he could be on a relay team. He don't got to be the anchor. Dominic, I've seen one 60 meter dash video in my life, and it's that one. <laughs> All I can answer is 100%. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Double That's up at 100%. That's all I'm going on. That's all I'm going on. I know there are statistics to the contrary, but like, I don't know. That seemed really impressive to me. I never, and this surprises people, I think, is like once I retired, there was only one time where I was like, I wish I was still playing. And it was before the Super Bowl in New York when it just like everything got all worked up. And it was just like right before the game was all starting. I was like, ah, man, I really want to be mm. out there. But more than wishing I was playing, the feeling that I have, and it's not often, but it surprises me also, is like grateful that I'm not playing. 
And I have that <laughs> just about every time I see Tyreek Hill run. When I see him run, I'm like, mm, sorry for you guys. <laughs> Glad I ain't got to be out there. Sheesh, what's up? Do you guys want to see the impact that Tyreek Hill is already having on the track and field community? Please. Sure. Oh, yeah, I saw this one. Oh, oh, oh. Got him. Oh, God. <laughs> that's that's the worst. That is the worst. Yo. How old are these kids? I, I, it, it, it helps inform how uh, harsh I'm going to be in my analysis of, of their uh, it's diversity thing, though, of like... body types. <laughs> but I'm like, what, like, what is should... going on in this race? Yeah. yeah. Why are you in the same category? This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> think about like kids and you have one daughter who i don't know if she's in sports yet but she's very young oh yeah but you'll, she's learning you'll come to learn this and maybe it's just in the boy sports but i, I noticed it more in the boy sports the uh like demonstrations of like arrogance and celebrations widespread rampant it doesn't bother mm -hmm. me when it's not my kid when it's my kid it's annoying but everyone else loves it when it's other people's kids i love it and it doesn't bother me, but it's shocking the level of like how many silencers I see done for, from kids who are <laughs> like a kid who just traveled and then like hit a layup is out there giving them the LeBron. It's like, hey, yep. it's fun. Entertain the crowd, kids. I'm not going to complain. Also, get I, good, though. I was going to say, like, it is the thing of um, all of these parents clearly hating, though. Um, one kid more than others. That one oh, kid yeah. who does it. Yeah. But it's, the thing is, Tommy, it's always it's that always the Marshawn kid. Marshawn Lynch crotch grabbing.